Hello. Hey, Merlin. How are you doing on this uh, fine summer day? Fine summer day. Fine halfway. summer day. Fine summer day. I'm halfway on bet- my- between the gutter and the stars. Putting on my summer suspenders. <laughs> they breathe. Halfway to the stars. Did you see those uh, pretty pictures from the telescope? I did. They're very pretty. Should we put those? Are those in the show notes? Did you do? Sure, them? sure. You can find show notes for this on the internet. Um, yep, 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 yep. Are you uh, using any one of them as your desktop background, for example? No, my desktop background on my Macintosh is an almost black, solid black image, and I like it to be not quite solid black. I don't know my my mine is, sol- mine is fully solid black. I most like a, just a little bit of not black. So if there is something black, I can see that it's black. That's a smart thing. I don't know about that. Uh, thank you. And uh, my phone, it's uh, fan art that somebody made of Sigourney Weaver in the uh, in the out- outfit at the end of. Oh, that's uh, the best outfit. Anyway. It, well, she's so good in that movie. My God. I'll try and get you. Oh, here you go. Get you a screen grab. Face is too far away. I know. Tell me about it. Uh, yeah, initially I thought it was a photograph, but it's uh, it's very detailed. It looks like someone drew it. What is it on your on your telephone? What's your uh, what's your background? My background on the telephone right now is this really <clears throat> cool Spider-Man noir thing that I don't I don't know where I got it anymore. I don't remember where I found it, but it's perfect. It's a perfect. I'll send you I'll send you a screenshot because that's the kind of thing that that we do here mm-hmm. on the show. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, here it comes, coming, heading, winging your way, as they say on the uh, on the internet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I sent you my Sigourney. Ooh, I got it. Just to be clear, you can't see the underwear. It's just her inside the helmet. Oh, that's really nice. Oh, I like what you've done there. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, um, okay. I see. Oh, that's fan. That's art. That's not a photo. Well, look, like, like, zoom <gasps> in. You'll see. Look at it's that. Like, oh, wow. That's cool. It's like uh, painted in one way or another. I love it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot prepared for today. This could be a shuck and jive episode. Okay. The things that I have prepared, I, I have a feeling you're going to find boring. Mm. And I have those in my back pocket. Uh, they're right back here. Taps butt. And I, uh, we could also talk about things we're enjoying. I always okay. like that. I'm like enjoying that. a lot of things. I have a lot of projects right now. Um, I'm doing new things uh, uh, behind the scenes with the... The Wisdom Project. Uh, I got a lot. I have a lot going on, Dan. What do you do? You have a lot going on. You, you work a lot, right? Uh, yeah, I, I do. I do. Oh my God! I just remembered I had a dream that that you and Scott Simpson were in. Oh, oh, it's really weird. Well, tell me about it. Wait, do you guys? Do you guys? You guys have, in some no, way we, work we, together? We, kinda? we collaborate. Yeah, he's uh, he's a fantastic addition to the uh, to the team of, at the company that I'm working with. It's uh, he's great. I wasn't sure if I if I hallucinated. He has that a you beard guys now. He has a full beard and it looks great. Really, he looks <laughs> so good. It's so good. Yeah, I guess I got mixed feelings about beards. I do too, but on him, it's uh, it's working. And I wouldn't he's have really thought funny. he would not have been the guy that I would ever thought to have a beard. And look at him rolling in with a beard. Yeah, it it you gotta really want it, you know. I guess you have to be the sort of person that, as they say, came to play ball. Good for him. And yeah, I had a dream. I I I, I was you guys were sitting at a table and I couldn't see you. I might have been a dog or I might have just been on the floor, but uh, I could hear both of you talking. And I I tried to say something, but I'm, if if I were a dog, you probably wouldn't have understood me. And if I were on the floor, you probably would have ignored me. 
And it's a dream, which means it's just brain garbage. So <laughs> uh-huh. it's apropos of nothing. That's pretty interesting, though, because my brain is usually not that um, logical, mm. not not that reflective of the real world with, with two people I'm acquainted with who I, I'm pretty sure work together being in it in that capacity. Yeah. It could be what, you know what? I don't know who our sponsors are today, but reject all of those places that find people for your jobs. Come to Merlin. He'll tell you who should be at the table and can't hear him because he's a dogger on the floor. They can just have that. Yeah, they, they're going to run with that. It's um, mm-hmm. I think it's Masterclass for us today. So they, they're going to have to find a way to weave that into there. Masterclass was not in the dream that I remember, although oh. I have looked at Masterclass in the last week or so. I opened up the app on my uh, Apple television and was using it, and I really enjoy it. This is not an ad. No, it is not an ad. Is it an ad? No, absolutely not. It's a preview to a prelude to an ad. Um, I I feel good about that. Yeah. You know, the corrupting influence of advertisers, it should never seep in. And, you know, if you have a strong feeling about that, go to squarespace.com slash it's your show. I uh, I put somebody on uh, Squarespace this week. Did you? How did they take it? How did they react? Well, they're not totally in yet, but I said, listen, that this is the beauty. There's a person in my life. You know what? Yes. Okay. There's a person in my life who had a meltdown of their, uh, that wasn't their fault. Of Was it me? Per- I can't say. Okay. So don't act like it's you if it is. But um, a person who didn't realize they hadn't, they weren't getting their email and they, they couldn't get the provider to help them with it. I'm not trying to slag anybody. No. But my suggestion was move your domain and your DNS to a company that I like that's a, a, a previous sponsor. And I said, move your web presence to a company I like that's a current sponsor. And I said, the beauty part of both of these is you can, as we stay in the, stay in the business, stage all of the changes and not feel like you have to pull the trigger on everything at once. And I will... Yeah, you know, don't think you have to think of it as me holding your hand, but I'll be here for all all the parts of this. But it was actually really embarrassing because I said to this person, I says, you know, you're going to be really, you're going to roll your eyes when I tell you what I recommend for a web provider <laughs> because uh, you know you can build it beautiful. <laughs> yeah, build it beautiful. You got to have that comma. Yeah, I stole that from Elliot Kalen on the Flop House, but um, I steal a lot of bits. But I can't spend all day footnoting it, Dan. I wouldn't get anything done. I'm I'm a recombinator. I recombinate. Mm-hmm. Now see, now that's a reference to Rogue One and something that uh, the girl said in the in the trailer that she then didn't say in the movie. I don't think that was her fault, either the character nor the actress. I think they just decided. Do you remember that in the trailer? The girl says, um, "I'm a I'm a I'm a rebel. I rebel." Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was that amazing line, and then they didn't use it in the movie, and it was a little frustrating. And I still say it, yeah. you know? Oh, you but know, I can't, fo- I can't of, footnote everything. You speaking know? of movies, I yes. wound up seeing a movie that, uh, a relatively new movie called Men. Mm-hmm. Have you seen this movie? Nope, I've acquired it, but have not watched it. I don't know. I, I'm not going to go... The reviews alone, I, I avoid... If there's anything I'm considering even watching, I don't watch trailers. Yeah. I'm on kind of default, implicit, full media blackout. Especially if it's something I know I want to see. Like, why would I watch the trailer if I know... I did grab that movie, and I, it was on the bubble in terms of ratings that it didn't rise to the top. But uh, something happens with men in that movie, right? It's, a, vague, it's really more about vague. the women. It's more about the women than the men, right? Yes, very true. Uh, and it's very, it's very. Um, there's a lot of 
I don't know if the gore gore isn't the right word, but it get, definitely has some graphic not not sexually graphic, but like like body graphic yeah. gross stuff. There's some exciting. You see some red. You see some red. You see some red. There's some exciting um, extended male nudity in it mm-hmm. that I think will draw. You know, it's like a real crowd pleaser. Level nudity. Mm-hmm. You see somebody's hog. Yeah, for huh. a long time. What, like an hour. A good 20, 30 minutes. Because that sounds like an Andy Warhol movie. <laughs> but it was Warhol. an it was an interesting show. I've been watching the as you recommended that I watch. I think you recommended or you you if you didn't recommend it, you brought it into my sphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you recommended um, the Bear, mm-hmm. which has been fantastic. As isn't as, that something? Isn't but that I'll tell something? you what, the first episode was kind of hard for me to <laughs> to watch because Stressful. it was very realistic. I know you and I both spent some time. It's incredibly uh, in stressful. kitchens and yeah, and yeah, if yeah. you've if you've you worked ha- with those people, <laughs> yeah. If you haven't spent any time, you've worked in a with kitchen, Richie in particular. <laughs> you definitely work with Richie. Richie was my boss at the at the Italian restaurant. Yeah, there are people that you will work with in restaurants who are often on large amounts of cocaine who, like Richie, are incredibly angry and disruptive and always on the verge of tears. And that's kind of... that's that, If they did a LinkedIn, I think that's what they would be looking for in a lot of kitchens. The way I know. shot is so claustrophobic, those oh, tight shots. It's, but I'll tell you, like... If if you I I can only imagine how stressful that scene would be if you haven't worked in a kitchen. But if you have... Mm-hmm. You feel that scene. You feel <laughs> yeah. it, man. You feel. We we the did scene. it as a challenge on Dubai Friday, so we t- we did talk about it at length there. But w- what I'll say is that there have been situations in my life as a mostly, really mostly coddled, very protected kid. So it's I'm particularly sensitive to things where one gets thrown in, knowing nothing about what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to act. You know, the kind of things that represent a stress dream for a lot of us. A classic being like, I have a dream where I have to take a test that I know I didn't study for and I'm naked or whatever. There are experiences like that in life that I've had. The one I mentioned on the show was my joining, quote unquote, being caused to join a drum and bugle corps when I was about, I don't know, eight, nine, 10, 11. And uh, I didn't know how to play trumpet and they kept treating me like I knew how to play trumpet. And I just got screamed at by that exactly that kind of imagine a cross. Imagine like more um, J.K. Simmons in Whiplash, but with a lot of Richie. <laughs> <laughs> Not my trump. Oh, and you're like, ah, I don't know how to play trouble. Then why are you here? I was made to come here. Shut up. Uh-huh. Um, that's how I felt in almost every kitchen I've worked in, even after I worked in a kitchen. There's, there's a culture in every kitchen. In this case, CARM, obviously, is trying to bring in some best practices from the fr- idea of the French brigade and the way that we learn to talk to each other, uh, how we leave our problems at the door, that kind right. of stuff. They're like, you know, whereas really when they say a brigade, that's the term from the French, you know, I think it comes from France, that idea of like that there's a captain in the kitchen. There are these different specific kinds of jobs. But in any case, there's an organizing principle. You might have also seen this in uh, Ratatouille. Or as Evelyn in uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once calls it, uh, Rakukuni. If you see, you know, like, you know the way that uh, the, the woman is trying to teach Linguini, like, how to be yes. in the kitchen and keep your station clean. Yes. That's all part, I think that's all very part of this, like, uh, herd chef brigade mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to introduce that culture into a place where it is not entirely welcome. You know, you should follow the system. Mm-hmm that Michael put in place. Mm-hmm. 
regardless of whether it's a good system or not it works well, for, it you, works for regardless Michael. of whether you can even call it a system which yeah. is mainly just richie yells at everybody don't call him rick um have you gotten up to the elver platt episode yet probably um not. probably no you know the actor oliver platt have you gotten to the party uh-huh. that they cater oh Something. yeah that's the you actor's did? name. Okay, I forgot that that was his name. Yes, I have Uncle, seen that um, one. Yes, I Cicero. Seen that one. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. There's a scene when everybody notices something about the kids who are attending <laughs> yes. this party, uh-huh. and it would be given that this is something like third, fourth episode. I wouldn't say that's when it got me. When it got me is when Carmen is emptying the video game machines and selling blue jeans. That's when the yeah, show got yeah, me. Yeah. But, but the way when, they film it's so good. It's such a great. Like yeah. I hate. I hate that I love a show this much, but I'm like. Really oh, good. into it. I'm so it. glad. I'm really yeah, into I am, it. I am too. Um, I think it, it's to, to give a compliment that you know means a lot coming from me. It's a show that knows what it is, and um, it's it is. It, but you know the um, but yeah when, when the, all the kids are out there and then the wonderful part when Oliver Platt's like eh, I don't care I don't mind it you know um, but anyway uh, yeah and the show is uh, we also <laughs> believe it or not we talk Syracuse and I talked about it on an upcoming Rectifs because he saw it too and you know I think his criticism which is not a spoiler is like there are some pretty abrupt tone shifts and sometimes some episodes it seems like it knows itself better than others mm, but mm-hmm. i agree i don't know i love sydney i mean i just the, the the woman who's there this young woman who is very like formally trained and ambitious and mm-hmm. crazy smart mm-hmm. and in some ways i feel like she's the audience surrogate yeah i see that ways. i can see that i could definitely see that but i can really recommend it it's an fx show oh, sorry go ahead no i was just gonna say because she's she's kind of coming into it from a different place um and and I think we as viewers are real, even from the first episode, we're really like pulling for the success of the place and we care. And this is the thing. Oh, yeah. I, I, this is the thing that now in my in my advanced years that I find is critical for me to be able to enjoy anything that I watch. And it's I basically have one requirement and that is. I need to like, even if I intensely dislike, I need to like intensely disliking or I need to like and care. More importantly, I need, let's take that back. I need to, need care, to care about the characters. About the characters and I need yeah. to really care about them. And I'll be watching something and I'll be like, I just, like, I don't care. I'm out. Like, yeah, it's funny or there's excitement or whatever. But if, if I don't care about the characters and I'll tell you what, within, I don't know, the first three minutes of this show, I'm like, f- I, 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 I was like, I'm fully invested in this now. I'm yeah, the phrase fully in our house, put it, put it in the parlance of our house uh, at least a couple times a week. All I really care about in life is that Carm is happy. Yeah. Like, yep. you know, like yep. I, I just want Guillermo to be happy. Mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, there's certain kinds of things like that. I, I, I think you're, I think you're really onto something. And I like that you got caught up, you know, do I have to like the person? Mm-hmm. And I think boy, this is way too broad to be just a, a mini topic on our podcast. But I think one one kind of, okay, okay, I'm glad that we have had a rethinking of how we feel about what characters and for that matter, pu- all public figures do or say. I mean, like I'm on one very far end of the spectrum. It's good to have seen Somebody like Jeffrey Epstein or yeah. Harvey Weinstein. I don't, I don't think it's all Steens. Steens all the way down. But um, but you know that that is good. Uh, not everybody's Harvey Weinstein, and we can't. We should. We ought and maybe make them into Harvey Weinstein. What does bum me out is that 
and I, I really, I'm not trying to sound like a proud boy or something here, but like, I, I hope we're not going to insist that characters in fiction be people we, on the one hand, it, should, it oughtn't all just be people that we like. And importantly, it, it oughtn't all be people doing things that would do things the way we would do them. Because I think that's one of the big values of any fiction is being able to see something played out and being able to learn a little something, maybe not about the like proper party approved way to pretend you are in public, but also to learn about on the part that I always love is like learning about people's vulnerabilities and right. learning about to go back to the very early days of this show, that phrase that, you know, the awful thing in life is that every man has is every person has their reasons. Mm -hmm. Well, everybody does have their reasons. And in the case of somebody like Richie, I guess maybe at one point in the seventies, you might've called him an anti-hero, which became the way too easy to like put, you know, Travis Bickle and Michael Corleone into this, you know, this basket over here of people who are doing bad things, but are also kind of the, not just the main character and not just mostly the protagonist, mm -hmm. like Senator Geary is like a pr pretty not great guy, but we also do pretty not great things to Senator Geary. I'm pretty sure they framed him for what happened with that girl in some ways, uh, you know, yeah, at, um, uh, Fredo's joint. Whew. But I, I think drama and fiction, like I've been listening to alternate, mostly listening to, but alternately sometimes reading um, the first Game of Thrones book, which I think mm -hmm. is called A Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really enjoying it so much in the way that each chapter is from the POV of a specific character. And I, I don't know. I mean, I think one thing that makes... There's just there's so many distinctions here that you can get stupid about it, but I don't think I don't think fictions, whether that's a, a show you like, you know, a reality show, a movie, or whatever it is, but the fictions, the ficciones, mm -hmm. as Borges says, the fictions of life are a place to see things played out for us. This goes way back to the Greeks, and it still is true today, which is like we see and learn so much from watching how other people handle things where you can't help but wonder how you would handle it, perhaps, and what happens when somebody's overwhelmed, or what happens when somebody has, like, an impossible situation. Last night I was watching Arrival and thinking this about uh, Forrest Whitaker's character. Mm. Forrest Whitaker is, uh, without spoiling Arrival, such a wonderful, wonderful movie. Forrest Whitaker's job is that, you know, basically, it's not hard to figure out, aliens, uh, what we would call aliens, have come to Earth, and we're trying to figure out why they're there, but to learn why they're there, we have to communicate with them, learn to communicate with them as the alien landings in 12 other countries find those leaders doing the same thing with different results. That's, it's not a spoiler, but that's as far as I'll go. What I will say is that if you're Forrest Whitaker and you're running that operation on the ground, mm. this like mobile unit that's near where the spacecraft is currently moored, um, He's going to be, it's almost like Chernobyl. Like, you don't want to be the guy who has to tell, you know, Gorbachev how things are going with Ch Chernobyl. You don't, want to, you don't want to have to be in Chernobyl. You don't want to be the person right. who has to tell anybody over your head anything. Because you don't, I mean, certainly you don't want to give bad news. You, don't, you very much don't want to give bad news that makes them look bad. But, you know, sometimes in a fiction... You, your protagonist is somebody who from the beginning cannot win. Right. Who, like if you're Forrest Whitaker, and this is actually kind of part, 
part of the plot, I think, of Arrival. Like when Louise's daughter says, what do you, what do you, what's a science, science-y word for like, you know, when you're talking to somebody and she's like, oh, do you mean win-win? And eventually they, she, she goes, oh, it's a zero-sum game. Like there's not that, there's a lot of zero-sum games in fiction. And we, at length, what I'm trying to say is different people define stories in different ways. Some people define stories as something with a beginning, a middle, and an end. Some people as define a story as something where, one of my favorite, if you want to really boil it down, one of my, oh, another one is like, somebody starts out in a familiar situation, goes through an unfamiliar situation, and then we see how that's changed them, which I think is, you know, a simplified version of, very simplified version of the Joseph Campbell version. But one of my favorites is you, you put somebody that you, whom we care about into what seems like an impossible situation and then see how they handle it and see how it changes them. Right. That's, the, that's interesting. That's the hook right there. That's the catch. Mm-hmm. Because we've all been in situations we feel are impossible. We've all, we've all been, you may not have been in my drum and bugle corps, but you've been in a drum and bugle corps. Or you've been Carm, or there's a, there's a tragic situation that Carm, who's a very gifted, he's the protagonist of the bear, who, he's been avoiding this very, very painful situation with a tragedy in his family. And he's not only like, you know, balls deep in that now, but he's trying to save a rapidly failing restaurant with a group of people who have incredibly different ideas and values than he does. And like all great stories, well, you know, the, another way that I love, another one I love is the explanation of a three-act play movie fiction. Mm-hmm. Three-act fiction as being uh, act one is you, you chase someone up a tree, act two, you throw apples at them, and act three, <laughs> see if and how they get out of the tree. Right. That's almost that's that's the classic three act structure in some ways. Right. Is there's the world building. Mm-hmm. exposition characterization that teaches you who these people are, who you're rooting for, and roughly speaking, what the stakes are. You great, Act two, you greatly you escalate the stakes and sometimes make it feel like it would be impossible. And then the third act, you get the you know resolution one way or another. I mean, right, kind of. Yeah, I like, I mean, that's, that's very succinct, very nice. Well, and like this gets into a lot of stuff, though, that I find personally extremely fascinating. Um, uh, this is something in, in the Wisdom Project where I was saying most, I should find this, um, something like, you know, most characters, most characters in any fiction have something that they want or saliently something they think they want. That's what you can usually tell, you know, when, when an actor says to a director, what's my motivation? What they're saying is like, I'm not just here because I'm bored. If we're showing this scene on camera, there must be something I, I, I want to get out of this, or right. I de- there's something I definitely do not want to have happen. So you take a character and there's something that they want or think that they want. Then, and this is not a, my, my own idea, this is an old idea, but in the way that that is portrayed, we may discover that th- this, this person not only has something they want or think they want, but they also have something that maybe that they don't want, but especially that they don't want you to know. Hmm. So they have to try and get the thing that they want, especially in the first act, moving toward getting the thing that they want without revealing the thing they don't want or don't want you uh, to know. Right, sure. If you really think about that, that's what makes characters interesting. One reason Superman has historically been such a tough character is that he is very, very overpowered 
from time to time in a way that they've got to, I forget what they call this in video games, they've got to like re-level or they've got to introduce kryptonite. Like what would Superman be without kryptonite? Like he's just, he can do anything. If you have a superhero who can do anything, the only way to make them interesting then is to turn them into Homelander and to say like, oh, not only can this guy do anything, but he's having a tougher and tougher time keeping it under control because he's not hooked up right. Right. Somebody wants something and, or they think they want something. We don't have time to go into it, but that second part's really important. You can spend a lot of a, a fiction real, before somebody realizes their ladder's against the wrong wall. And there's something they, they don't want you to know. But m- my possible addition to that, and, I, and here I'm thinking particularly of people like David, the David Brett and Michael Scott types, is that there's somebody who for the first one or two acts may be able to pull something off. But another interesting thing about a character is they're not pulling something off probably as well as they think. And that can cause a lot of humor or a fair amount of tragedy. I mean, the humor of David Brent, honestly, in the Office UK, like Michael Scott, I guess, believing that he is... Well, Michael Scott's actually a better example. Michael Scott, like, really hopes that all of his employees love him and that he's really funny. They want him... He wants to, you know... And But with David Brent, he's the one where he thinks he's pulling it off and he's really not. Like, that's what makes David Brent or most John Cleese characters, that's what makes them so clownish, is to watch someone watch them not pull it off. Mm -hmm. So when Basil Fawlty has a moose fall on his head in front of the two old ladies, it's funny on every level. It hits every, it hits all of the theory behind drama. First of all, lack of, you know, taking somebody of high status and knocking them down in status. The whole classic idea of watching somebody do something stupid is funnier than just someone doing something stupid, them not realizing they're being watched. David Brent dancing at the party, and you go like, oh, God, please stop dancing. You're <laughs> killing me. But he feels like every step he takes is showing uh, that he is pulling it off. He really is the coolest boss that you'll ever have. And when we get to watch that play out, what I'm trying to say, and the thing that will get me canceled is that, like, I hope we don't feel the need to make everybody lovable all the time. Because we're not, all of us are not lovable all the time. And it's not least because we are very much like all of those actors and characters um, performing something that we hope is going okay. But we do sometimes get into impossible situations. And we do find ourselves worried about our status. And we do, all of the same things that are true for everybody in a good story are true about people. And that's why we pay attention to them. If you made Richie too nice, the show wouldn't be as good. Right, right. And I, I mean, the part that really is going to get me super canceled is like, man, I think the idea of doing blackface as like an on the nose, just shock um, comedy bit is mm-hmm. not, it's not a great idea and it's really hurtful and it doesn't really do a lot for you. But when Jenna Maroney on 30 Rock does rock, does a blackface, wow, is that ever instructive? Because the, we'd like to say that the part about the, that's painful is it's hurtful to to black people but and it's, it probably is but the other part of that is we've all done blackface in one way or another we've all done stupid shit to make someone like us and not realize how horrible what we're doing is and like if that's not instructive i don't know what is and you know a thousand blessings on anybody who's gotten the opportunity to watch a fiction with a shit heel in it that kept them from doing something crummy mm-hmm. that's so much better than like just thinking that that doesn't exist and they spend the rest of their lives ha- hating themselves, wondering 
if they are how they are and what it means. And getting to watch that played out can be the, the Greek term that is very heavily associated with drama is catharsis. It's cathartic. Like it's, it's, and it's important. I like TV is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. TV. I think a lot about things. Yeah. Just yeah. in general. Yeah. <sighs> Probably too much. Too much? Yeah. Does your brain ever stop? I don't know. I don't think it can. <laughs> how, how would I know? Uh, right. did, did you want to tell me about something that you like? I would love to tell you about Masterclass, if I oh, may. Oh, I like Masterclass. Masterclass. Masterclass is a really cool... I mean, it, it started out just as a little humble humble little effort with a few, a few really good people talking about what they do. And then it grew into a whole lot of really great people talking about what they do. And that's what it's all about. They, they're these incredibly successful, talented, bright people sharing what they know with the highest quality possible video production behind them to make all of this really, really entertaining. And so that's basically what it is. They have these classes that are there. You can watch them on your phone, on the web, your smart TV, whatever you feel like, really. And these world-class masters, top of their field, Cinderella boy coming from nowhere. Mm, Tears in his eyes, I guess. And these are broken out into individual video lessons. They're about 10 minutes long. And what that means is you become a member and you can explore them at your own pace. You only have 10 minutes. You want to watch just one, then that's it. You don't, you don't have to set aside hours of your day, of your time, of your commute, whatever, to do this. You can just get in and get out. But you want to watch more than one, that's a cool thing. You just watch the next one. You have 30 minutes, watch three of them. You have only 10 minutes, you just watch the one. But it's so, so, so entertaining and you learn so much. There are so many different topics. They're always coming out with new stuff. And so when I say that there are people that you've heard of, uh, if you go to masterclass.com, and the top it'll have a little thing that says all categories. So you can just pick one of those. And you know, let's say I'll pick uh, arts and entertainment. Why not? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the one. I, so I just clicked on that right now. I'm watching. It's loading. I'm clicking. So we've got a ton of people in this category, probably people that you've heard of, like a David Sedaris, maybe you've heard of him, Malcolm Gladwell, potentially. Maybe you've heard of Alicia Keys. She's in there too. Bob Iger, like Ron Howard. He was one of the first ones that I watched. Spike Lee. And they're talking about the stuff that they do. David Lynch is teaching creativity and film and about a three-hour course broken up into those 10 or 15-minute segments. You got Natalie Portman teaching acting. Aaron Sorkin talking about screenwriting. Martin Scorsese talks about filmmaking. Like everybody that you could possibly be interested in they're going to be in there. Herbie Hancock is teaching jazz. Like, am I going to become a jazz performer now? No, but it's still fascinating to like learn about how these things work and what goes into putting something like that together. And so the way that it is, you've got hundreds of today's most brilliant minds. Like I said, Android, desktop, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, Roku. There's an app for all of these. Annual membership starts at $180 per year. And you get access to everything, cinema quality classes. And it really, really is great. Oh, and and if you do like some of the like cooking classes, they have these beautiful downloadable guides that are like high-end cookbook quality stuff. It's really, really great. And you have access to the whole thing. And uh, I, I just, I love it. I can't recommend it more highly. I love that they sponsor us. So if you don't mind, go to masterclass.com dot com slash back to work that will support the show and when you go there you will get 15 percent off an annual membership so again it is masterclass.com slash back to work 
Go there, check it out, support us by visiting and support yourself by learning something really awesome and saving 15%, masterclass.com slash back to work. Thanks very much to them for making the show possible. Bing. Big fan. Uh, Thank buck, you. Buck. Big fan. Yeah, they're beautiful. That's the thing. You don't sleep on it. The videos are beautiful. beautiful. Don't sleep on it. Don't sleep on it. And if you do, you know, be comfortable. Try not to watch too much. No screens, you know, half hour before. If you're going to sleep on it. Uh, but we have one more sponsor. Is that correct? Um, it's okay if we don't. No, I'm just going to give you that. That's one. perfect. No, wait. Did we skip one last week? We didn't do, we didn't last, do week. last week. So then, yeah, we better, we better <laughs> catch up. We better do one. Uh, so like I said, I don't have much. We could talk more about, we could talk about projects. We could talk about, uh, I've got a few, uh, uh, Apple, more el- Apple health related apps that I'm interested in. Mm. Um, or we could talk about what's going on in your neck of the woods. I'm wide open. Yeah, I do both. I mean, um, hmm. I just re- updated my homebrew and a bunch of my, my casks. I discovered, a re- you know, I got something I can mention real quick. It's really neat. Um, it's boring. Like like most of my things, but um, I think this is called Ruby on Mac, and I am one of those whackers who I get myself into situations where I generate cruft by being a not particularly. I'm not. I'm no Dan Benjamin. I am not a <laughs> learned user of what's happening under the GUI layer on my Mac, and so there's things that I've installed from time to time. You know, just there'll be like things where I'm like, oh, I want that thing. And they go, it's really easy. You go to this, you paste in this terminal command, you get this thing and add this to your profile and blah, 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 blah. And years and years and years of doing that have gotten me into situations where from time to time something just isn't working and I don't know why and I don't know how to undo it. Sometimes, I mean, I know how to use where is and which, Hmm. but sometimes I'm not sure, like there's a Ruby you're not supposed to touch, which sounds like a Smith song. Um, like that Ruby is the Mac Ruby. Don't mess with that. Are you in which, you know, which installation location is this referring to? Like, is it in your path and profile in the right way? I'm saying words that mostly make sense, right, Dan? Yeah, I, I, I understand most of them. Well, the thing is, any one of the, any one of those can go wrong for reasons that are absolutely not obvious to somebody like me. And what was it? God, somehow, I'm, at one point I had to do something where I had to get back on ZSH, and another time I had to move to Fish, and then, but I really want to be in Bash, and some things work with that, and then I forget that I'm in ZSH, and oh, that's right, it doesn't handle this attribute this way, and I don't know what I'm doing, Dan. I mean, when we had the relationship we had before we had a relationship, as we've covered extensively, mm-hmm. is I used to do your tutorials by copying and pasting, sure. and that's how I still do a lot of stuff, and I'm ex- I know exactly enough to be dangerous, right? I don't document that stuff. I'm not consistent about that stuff. And recently something was really messing up and I couldn't get it to work and I was Googling for solutions and I landed on a website called rubyonmac.dev, which had what looked like some, you know, very helpful stuff. But the marquee feature of Ruby on Mac is that Ruby on Mac is a product. Now, this is going to sound costly to some people and silly to some people and that's fine. But, oh, what's the name of the guy who runs this? He has a, an interesting main, Mon, Mon, I forget his name. We've had nice emails back and forth. Um, he makes a script that he sells for, I think, $49. And you download this to your download folder, and he gives you very easy instructions. And you know what it does? It fixes everything. 
<laughs> it's this amazing. It just fixes, just fixes it. Uh, go check out Ruby on Mac.dev. It runs through your stuff and fixes. It's very Ruby centric, but it cleans up a lot of cruft and fixes and to my understanding of it, and again, I wouldn't have bought this if, if I understood it. Right. Right? I mean, there are, I, I roughly understand how to make ketchup. That doesn't mean I choose to make, just because I have vinegar doesn't mean I want to make ketchup. Right. Uh, I ran this thing and it worked great. It fixed all my stuff immediately. And one of the things it does is it like, you know, it gets you around all this stuff of like, hey, that, that's the Ruby you don't touch. That's the Mac one. This one over here, you've got all these different things. I've got to fix your profile. And a lot of what it does involves uh, my beloved homebrew. Make sure all your homebrew stuff is working and is up to date and things. Um, are homebrew and Cocoa Pods totally different things that do kind of the same thing? Um. Yeah, I think so. I haven't really uh, used Homebrew the... is a is a Ruby. So the, is, so if we Ru go back and, if right. I, if I could just jump in here to talk about package management systems. There are yes. a few big package management systems that have existed for a long time. If you want to go way 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 back, we can talk about FreeBSD ports. FreeBSD is a BSD based mm -hmm. Unix system. It is one of the God. only remaining BSD Unix based systems. I am incredibly right. partial to BSD based Mac Unix systems. Was there a Mac one named Ports too? Yes, and a I, Mac, I Mac remember ports. that it's called Mac yes. Ports. Yes, yes, and that it was, was in the two thousands. Yeah, yeah, and it was based off the FreeBSD port system, and it was very, very poorly maintained. Hate to say it on the Mac side, which is what led me to make all those HiveLogic tutorials about like here's how to install MySQL and all these other things. But if you were on BSD, you could do like a port install and just it would in, it would download the source code and compile it and install it very much the way that Homebrew does right now on the Mac. Now, most people who care about things like this understand that Mac OS is actually BSD Unix. It's based on Darwin, which is a sort of port. Let's just let's just skip the details and say it's a port of FreeBSD um, that uh, that Apple used upon which to build their new operating And that's kind system. of the, um, don't listen to Syracuse, that's kind of like the lowest level of what we would consider software, right? Yeah, that's, that's, totally. That's like nearer to like the brain center. We're yes. not talking about your preferred to-do list app. We're talking about something much closer to the metal. Very close to the metal. In fact, it, Mac does such a good job of it that you don't even know it's there unless you open your terminal that it is completely hidden behind the scenes and there is there is no BSD Unix Darwin living behind the scenes if you're on a Mac unless you really want to really dig for it. And that was the big thing with Mac OS and it made perfect sense because so much of Mac OS is based on Next OS, which was also, guess what, BSD Unix. Um, so, you know, a lot of the things that came from that are available and, and basically are part of Mac OS now. But behind the scenes, the package manager for that on, on BS, uh, FreeBSD was the BSD ports system, which was extended to NetBSD and OpenBSD, and they all have their different versions on Linux. You have um, something called APT. Uh, APT on Linux is the command line utility that you use to install and manage packages. And so on... is, is NPM the node version of that? Yes, uh, that's the node package manager. Okay. And, and so you have package managers for operating systems, but you also have package managers for different uh, platforms. So for example, in the Ruby world, we have something called, because it's very cute that it's called gems. Ruby. So we have, yes, we have gems. So you have mm -hmm. like gem install and things like that. But 
so all of these different operating systems have these different tools that you use that allow you to just install stuff. And most of the time, you're, it's actually just, it'll have the code compiled and in a repository, a trusted repository somewhere so that when you run your command, you're not actually having to compile everything the way that you used to do with Mac ports and BSD ports. It's just downloading binaries that are already compiled to run. In some cases, like Homebrew, uh, we'll do this for you. But because of the lack of that on the Mac, I was always writing these tutorials for stuff that I needed to install that generally tended to be kind of tricky. And then along came Homebrew, which is wonderful because it's it's this brilliant package management system that I think even rivals most other systems. And you can type in brew space, install space, and it'll install yeah. almost any it's pretty, open it's really source intuitive. command line you just system. Brew, brew update and it'll update everything. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about. That's what I really, and I really, so anyway, that is a thing that made it pointless to like go read online about stuff and how to install it typically. But then when like a new platform chip comes out, like the M1, M2 chips came out, that breaks a bunch of things. So now you're back to like, what weird command do I need to run to get the MySQL gem to work in Ruby three? Right. And like you're back to the drawing board, but they, it catches up. And if you're patient, it'll all get caught up. <clears throat> Yeah, and my so this worked great for me. And and then the other compliment I want to lay on to the Ruby on Mac fella is that when I ran it on my laptop and I was generating an unfamiliar error, I, I Googled and Googled and Googled. I tried everything. I did the I did the easy version, I did the complete version, I started over and over and over. I thought I was doing it all right. I finally broke down and emailed the person who makes this, and uh they responded really quickly and said in the nicest way possible, uh, you know, hey, this is actually a homebrew thing where homebrew because you're on the beta of the operating system, Homebrew, you should know that Homebrew does not support beta versions. Like, so you, I should, I, if I would read all of the log files, I would have noticed the point where uh, it says, you, you can't get this, you can't make this thing happen because you're on a pre-release version of an OS and we don't support that. And that guy wrote back really quickly and uh, told me that. And I said, thank you very much. But, um, yeah, before Ruby on Mac, spend day, you spend days trying to get your Rails, Jekyll, iOS, or other Ruby project working. You know, I'm just saying, in a world where BMW owners are going to pay to have heated seats and heated steering wheels, I'm just saying, uh, this was good. This was money well spent for me, and uh, I, I love an app like this. I forgot why I started talking about this. I don't know projects. why either, but who cares? Probably, it's good I think it's because I was trying to install... I don't know. You know how it is with almost everything. You know, you end up at some point with a very complete product that's easy for anyone to use. At the other end of that spectrum is something that's a very complicated project sometimes where you have to do a lot on your own. So in the younger days of an open source project, let alone a whole platform, there's going to be more stuff where you're going to have to build it yourself or, you know, compile it yourself, install it yourself, update it yourself, like integrate it yourself. Like even something that may seem as arcane as homebrew, what you don't get is all the work that's gone into making those things work together. I imagine this is also true of stuff like Docker. Like for, for Docker to be Docker or the way virtual machine stuff works on Synology, that, that reflects people doing a lot of work behind the scenes for you to not have to do a lot of work on stage. Yeah. But in the earlier days, and so I think for some of the things that I've been doing lately, especially with health stuff and trying mm -hmm. to do stuff with data, I've had to do more installing command line things, and so that's probably where I ran into it. Um, I'm not sure what my point is, but 
you know, uh, command lines there, you know, command lines. Yeah. You know, I think yeah, I just ran it. I just ran it again on my uh, on this uh, non-beta Mac, and it worked a treat. I think that the integration that we have right now with open source tools, command line stuff, homebrew, all of that—it's we we have never had such an amazing system for just running a computer and doing what we want with it. And if you think about what I'm doing on my Mac compared to what you're doing compared to like what my mom is doing on mm -hmm. hers. And yet we're all using essentially the same computer. I don't know. That's just really interesting to me. I, it's really, I totally really cool agree. You, but you know, I think iPhones or, or iOS devices are very different than that. Of course you have your outliers. You have people who are doing weird stuff on, on their phones and things like that. But in general, like we almost are kind of all doing the same thing the same way on our phones. And if you think about it, like if someone hands you their phone, you don't need to ask them where something is. You know, it's, let's say it's an iPhone. You don't have right how to get to their applications. You probably know which applications they have if they have any social. You might know media how to apps. use. You might know how to use Spotlight that you, you don't have know. to search. You might yeah. know. And whereas, like, if I sat down at your computer, it's going to be set up so completely different from the way right. mine is set up. It must and, be so weird to look. We're talking about this on ATP, talking about their struggles with dealing with uh, all all three of the hosts are dealing with Swift UI frustrations mm. and but they were talking about what it would be like to look at each other's actual code that must be such an education for for a developer or so it must be so interesting when you even if you don't do like code reviews per se but like when you're just working with somebody and the way that somebody has chosen to fix a problem which if i uh, tell me if i'm wrong but like that's not may not at all be reflected in the way an app operates to the end user but the way that it's all structured in terms of how you the decisions you made about building it must be very, very fascinating from developer to developer. Mm -hmm. I'm just, it seems. I think so too. And I think even just the way that even within the Ruby community, within Ruby developers that I know, within Ruby developers that I work with, it's so different. It's so completely different that there isn't just one way to approach this stuff. I mean, it, there are so many great tools like, okay, so I've got to talk about this. I'm going to put this in the show notes. I have talked to you about it before. Um, it's a, it's, I mean, how can we talk about um, development without eventually talking about fonts. Like we can't, it's mm. just, that's never going to happen. So the font, Interesting. and I remember many, many, many years ago, I'm talking 15 years ago, I made a little page on HiveLogic talking about my favorite programmer fonts. And at the time, I think there was a, less than a dozen of fonts that even existed that were good for that. And that page got more traffic and over the history of the website, way more traffic than any mm -hmm. other page of anything I ever wrote because it was such a needed thing. Now, if you just type in best programmer fonts, there's everyone from, you know, every developer, every, you know, Mashable, literally every web page, every website. And has. so many of them are free. There's so, there's so many options out there. Your options used to be what? Courier, Menlo. Um, not Menlo. Um, what's the one I'm thinking of? Monaco, I meant. Monaco. Sorry. Yeah. And then later, later Menlo. But like, you know, it used to be there weren't that many options. And now, I mean, my goodness, the riches that are out there, you have so many options for, you do. for what 90% of the population would look at and go like, what are you Who doing? Who cares? They, they what's all wrong look with like you? A, they all look like a typewriter. They all me. look the same. They're all ugly and they all look like a typewriter. And you're like, yeah, I am obsessing about the dotted versus the slashed zero Get Some of them here. you can select different glyphs for those things now. That okay. one you were talking about. So let that me, I ended you're, that's, up that's exactly where I'm going with this. So okay. I, for a long time, I was against what you're talking about, which are ligatures. So that if if you were to type, like for example, if you were to type greater than or equal to, so you've got the 
uh, the greater than symbol and then an equal symbol. Those are two characters. And so a lot of people oh, I see don't what you're mind that. But with Mac OS and other modern operating systems, you have the ability to use like a glyph, a ligature, where it will combine those two things that you just typed, the greater than symbol and the equal symbol. It'll combine them into a uh, greater than or equal to symbol that is one character. Well, great fonts and good editors support that kind of thing. And I was opposed Most to that for a while. Most people know that there's ruin, deep, 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 deep under command T somewhere. There's one where you can actually go in and you'd be surprised. I mean, there's not thousands that do this, but there's a surprising number of, if you get it from a really good foundry and it costs money, one of the things, the reason that costs money is there's probably a place where you can go in and uh, basically, the preferences are expressed at, in the same way as like the, there's like a typography menu that you can get to, you know what I'm talking about, right? Where you can go in and you can select those kinds of preferences, like, you know, almost like you would back in PageMaker. Like in whatever you're in right now, you can say, I want it to be the fancy version of these, as you say, ligatures, or I want it to be this other thing. Like, there's way more to it than 26 characters in lowercase and uppercase. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more. And searching for the best font has been, you know, something I've always been. And what is the best? Well, there isn't the best, but there's a best for you or there's one you really like. And I'm always, always, always changing them up except until I found this one font and I've been using it now for like a year and I, I'll try other ones just to see them, but I always come back to this one. And it, I, it's easy for me to say it's my favorite programming font. Uh, I, I love it. And I will, I will tell you a little hack that you can, a life hack, as you say, mm -hmm. uh, after I talk about this one. But the name of the font is Mono, like it's a playoff, Mono Lisa. It's called Mono Lisa. It is in the show notes. It's monolisa.dev. And this font is very, very visibly pleasing. It has the ligatures. You can easily customize it. Um, they do comparisons between it and like Ferricode and Source Code Pro and JetBrains Mono. And it really is just such a beautiful font. And it has a, um, in addition to having just an italic version, it also has a script version. And doing using the script version is beautiful. I'm actually going to send you a, a little screenshot of uh, what the script version looks like. But what it means is it, it takes certain, um, it takes certain characters and converts them to uh, into you there. Yeah, do you, are you back? Yeah. Do you have Sorry a place? Do you have a clean place there? Yeah. Well, you don't even need to talk about it. It's, I'm leaving it in. It's beautiful. Okay. Uh, so I just sent you a screenshot uh, showing this um, script version of the font that many um, many editors will automatically convert things like comments or other keywords to scripts. So you see, in the shot that I sent you, you see the word export and import, how they're like... Well, from, import, import looks like a script almost. Yeah, it's like a script font. It automatically does that for you. This font supports all of this stuff. Now, the thing about this is... What's it called? Mono Lisa. Mono Lisa. It's in the show notes, and it's monolisa.dev. And the thing about it that's really cool is you can you can use all of these different elements all to make all these beautiful ligatures. It shows an example of it, but the thing is you've got to, I mean, I hate to say this, you, you don't have to buy it because they do offer a, uh, like a, um, I guess, what is it here? They call it, um, okay. They just, it's basically I think like a you free have to trial. Buy it. It's a free trial 
there isn't like a time limit on it, but it doesn't have the coding ligatures and it doesn't have the script version of the font, but you can get a personal license of it for 59 bucks and a plus license for 119. Now you're going to say to yourself, wait a minute, there's a million fonts out there that are just as good that I don't have to pay a hundred bucks for. And you're right. There are, you don't have to pay for it, but for the, I am, when I'm working, I'm writing code usually or using a text editor always. And I'm looking at this font 20, you know, 24 hours a day, but eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, many, many days a week, all the time. It's like chairs where it took people a long time yeah. to realize having a better chair is a really good idea. It used to seem like kind of a waste of money, right. but now it's the kind of thing that's like the microwave or the coffee maker where you're like, how did I, why did I try to fool myself before? You know, if you're going to use your chair for 10 hours a day, it should not cause you physical pain and harm. If you're going to use a font for four hours a day, however long, like if you're a goddamn professional, and again, I don't mean to sound touchy about this, but I think fonts in particular, a programmer font, I agree with you. There are people who think that might seem a little bit crazy. It feels like, crazy. It felt crazy well, when I purchased it, but again, I but, the, it. The, but like there's this strange behavioral economics we go through. Again, something they talked about on AP, um, ATP recently, like people spend a thousand dollars a year on a phone, but then don't want to spend $3 on an app. Yes, that's a great which, point. Which they were using to talk about the BMW seat heating thing, which, by the way, I think is a terrible idea. But it, we shouldn't, ha we oughtn't have to be touchy about these things, but it's helpful to say, like, well, I'm not a wastrel. I don't do this every week. <laughs> right, yes. I'm not spending $100 a week on fonts. No, no, no. Please And please don't. Unless it makes you happy. Well, if it makes you happy, you got to do it. Oh, let and, me tell you about the second thing that I like, speaking of being oh, happy. Oh, were we done talking about fonts? No, but I just want to interject it. Oh, please interject it. Uh, Squarespace. Oh, come on. Are you kidding me? No, I didn't know. But you mentioned it earlier uh, in the show, and I thought, why no, not? No, I think you put that it? in. You put that in. You added that. I added it. That's fine. Okay. Uh, but I want to tell you about Squarespace. Squarespace, it's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your, your business online. It's going to help you stand out. The beautiful website, Merlin. You're going to engage mm. with your audience at last, and you're going to. You can sell anything. Products. You can create the content and sell that. You can even sell your time. They get a whole like booking system built into it now. Best in class templates. So you pick a look and feel. You can start out searching by a category. Like what? What kind of business do you have? Oh well, I I have a restaurant called the Beef in uh, in Chicago. And well, what template do I need? They'll recommend some that will work really good for a restaurant. Then you customize it. You make it yours. You can put your menu up there, but like if you're in another kind of business or another kind of hustle, as you say, you could you can put that in there. They have all the tools you need that'll help you launch your business. They've got secure payments. They've got checkout, inventory management. Like it's all in there. It's all in there. Mm. You get one of those businesses where you're like buy appointment. Well, they they can let you schedule stuff, and it does it does it all. It does it all. How does it? How do they do it? I don't know. But if you have a problem, you have a question, you need help. They've got twenty four seven award winning customer support. It's all there. Like it, it mm. and you can do it. You get to make it stand out. If you if you if you will it, it is no dream. Mm -hmm. So what I would like for you to do is go to squarespace.com slash it's your show, like you said at the top of the uh, top of the hour. Squarespace.com slash it's your show. You're gonna get a free trial. You'd get that anyway. I can't make it seem like you only get that. Well, so it was part of my pitch to my friend. Was it's not going to cost you anything to go in there. Right. They're not. They're not going to. They're not going to even accept your money until no. you're ready for it to go live. Your you money's go, no good here. It's no. It's literally no good here. It's no good. It might as well be Confederate. And you, um, like, uh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe there's a PayPal. PayPal for rebels. They rebel. 
I don't know how that works. But, but uh, no, that's the neat part is you can go in and really try this thing on. And, and you know, sorry, not, not to, I, 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 like, jokes have left the room. I didn't know Squarespace was a sponsor, but I had no problem at all recommending this to my friend for exactly this reason. But here's the funny thing, Dan. A lot, I'm doing some stuff on Squarespace 6, but if I were being honest, the most, a lot of what I'm doing is I'm on Squarespace 5 from a million years ago, which is still weirdly supported just because I don't want to change things. But I finally did have occasion to look again at Squarespace because I went and made a fake account for my friend just to go in so I could anticipate what to tell that person to prepare for. Because honestly, it's been forever since I went and set, started a new Squarespace 7 experience. It's great. It walks you through. It holds your hand. Um, I'm going to reveal that the the other thing I was mentioning was, you know, well, it's another a previous sponsor. But one thing I like, I like it when there's so much hostility in, in the world today, including hostility against consumers. There are certain kinds of sites, and I don't mean to slag the competition, where you land there and it really it feels like you're in some kind of a gauntlet. Mm-hmm. where it's, they're really pressing you to do certain kinds of things that are based upon the business that they have. I really admire companies that, yeah, they want to make dough. That's why they're a business. But they do it in such a way where they not only understand what it's like to do what you're doing right now, mm-hmm. if you don't know what you're doing, that's a real art. You have to know a lot about something and have dealt with enough people who are doing something unfamiliar to make them feel at ease about what they're doing, to walk you through it. I see this all the time with stuff like the way Squarespace makes it easy to set up. If you've got your DNS somewhere else, they'll send you two instructions that are specific to that DNS. They understand what that means. They get it. They do, but like the part I like about Squarespace, if you're new to it, and I understand a lot of you are, are geeks, but you can have confidence knowing that when you put somebody onto this, um, hold, hold, saying hold your hand, I guess that's a little condescending. What it will do, though, is it not only understands what it's like, it understands how it feels, when, how it feels to be doing something unfamiliar, mm. because to you geeks, this may all seem like you've got to be kidding me. You have to go to a, a website to get a website. Well, maybe not you, but there are a lot of folks out there. I mean, how often do you want to change details about your DNS setup? How often do you want to go in and change stuff about your PayPal account? You know there are certain dragons out there where you keep your hands away from their mouth. There are stakes to getting things wrong with a lot of these things. Look at me. I paid $50 for a script to fix my Ruby environment (laughs) because I managed to screw that up in ways where I didn't know it was screwed up, let alone how to fix it. There's stakes to all of these things. And if you're a geek or like to believe you are, have some sympathy for the folks that don't make a change to a new web provider because they feel like there's stakes to that. And what I like about Squarespace, in part, one of the numerous things, honestly, is that they get that and they've created an experience that improbably is not just easy, but fun, where you get to spin the choice and you get to decide and it'll walk you through things. And at each point, it says stuff like, and really listen to this. You'll get to a point where it says, hey, what kind of business have you got? Well, here's a bunch of templates we have that we think look good for that business. But, and it just says right there, don't worry. As Alexandra and I like to say, we begin every text message with, you are not in trouble. Don't make me nervous and make me feel like I'm in trouble. Squarespace says, you are not in trouble. It says, hey, don't worry. You can always change this later on. You will always have the opportunity. We're not locking you into anything here. You have not run your credit card. You're, I'm sorry, I'm going on. But I, I, uh, I am witness to the dissolution of American infrastructure on every front right now. And so I get an especially warm, perhaps Stockholm Syndrome-related feeling whenever I feel taken care of. Hmm. And when I feel like my friends are being taken care of. 
And um, while I still do not want to be in the webmaster business, I like that that's what Squarespace is doing. They are the webmaster business. They're take caring, taking care of the stuff that used to be the reason for me having a career. And I'm happy to say I'm glad my old career has been obviated by people like Squarespace because they do it really well and it's helping people. Nice. It's your show. Yeah. Whatever. No, no it doesn't matter. Oh. oh. Um, hmm. what else is going on? I'm looking at that. I'm looking at my mail. So go download that font. That's what I'm telling you. Try it out. I like, and I'm not a programmer, but uh, and but I, I, I mean, it sounds like a dumb distinction, but it, we both use monospace fonts. But we're using we have certainly we have different tastes, but also we're using monospace fonts for diff, different things. Like, yeah. like even, oh, I have to tell you my life hack. Okay. Even though I'm using VS Code, even though I'm also using, you know, I'm using VS Code, I'm using uh, MV Ultra, I'm using BB Edit. Um, you know, there's stuff that is just so fast and easy to do in BB Edit. F copy lines containing a thing that I used to do all the time in TextMate. I, without writing my own script, I can't find any app that does that as easily as TextMate except for BB Edit. And I have them all configured to use mm -hmm. a free font called Inconsolata. Mm, love that Sem one semi-condensed good one which is pretty and it's semi-condensed like medium i don't want it to be too spindly but it's narrow and it's pretty um much like me <laughs> very much like you um i I'm, we're not gonna go that much longer right uh no just no i don't have anything okay, else I, that, that's, that's gonna have a bearing on whether or not i need to go refill my iced tea no don't refill it we'll re we've been we've been in here 61 minutes minutes i'll give i can't you tell you i mean it's cocking me up i don't know how long we've been recording it says it under the cock button it does <laughs> not what i get is because i'm using i won't use chrome i'm using vivaldi and vivaldi tells me in the lower right hand corner this 11 31 p.m that's all it says? It doesn't show it up under the little red recording thing? There's no red recording. Oh, down. you don't see the same. Okay. Well, me. 61 minutes. The life hack is this. Hmm. You would think that if I just paid 100 bucks for a font, that I'm going to use that thing anywhere and everywhere that I want to use a monospace. I would think font. that. But I you would were, think that. You, you know what Merlin, you're doing? You're trying to amortize, I believe is the word. You would be wrong. Oh. Uh, what would happen is I have, I use an editor, and the editor that I'm using these days is Visual Studio Code, or what you, you call VS Code. And I really enjoy that editor. But I never, and I have, and I know you would say, how have you, Dan? Well, what, here's what happens. If you get huh? a call very, very early or very late at night that says there's some kind of problem and you have to go to your computer and you're bleary-eyed and it's tired, sometimes you type something into an editor that you or, or into a uh, terminal prompt that you meant to type into an editor and vice versa. And so <laughs> that's, one, how I, that's how I killed the battery on my bike. It, I put I put the key. I thought I was putting the key uh, into the keyhole. Okay. For, no, no. This is this is a, a, a true fact that Syracuse. He's being unusually kind about this dumb error, which I'm happy to say lots of people have done. That's where Schadenfreude helps. Is like when you <laughs> realize you're not the only total dumbass in the world who one week into having an e-bike, uh, the bike is a has a bad battery. The battery is removable. The battery is very costly. So there's a lock, and the lock has a key, and the key goes into the keyhole. The battery, just a few inches away from that, also has the has the place has this my golem. It also has the um, am I a golem or a golem? Am I a clay circus? 
Mm-hmm. Clay Circus. Maybe I'm thinking of Clay Shirky. Point is, there's a key. And you know what I did, Dan? I put the key right into the charging port. And it went, and a big spark popped. That's scary. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Isn't that what you're describing? That's basically what I'm describing. It's basically... Yeah. So what I do, first like of all... It's like accidentally pasting your tentacle porn into a text with your family. If you're, um, if you're unfortunate enough to be using the regular built-in terminal app on Mac, I would encourage you to install an app that is called iTerm2. I'll put that into the show notes. We have talked about this many, many times. I also encourage you to learn Control-C. Yes, that would be Control-C is your good friend? Um, so this is in the show notes too. iTerm2, it's a replacement for Terminal. It's better in a lot of different ways. It allows you to customize it. But even if you're too stubborn to do that, you can do the same thing. I use a different font in Terminal than I use in uh, in VS Code, in my editor. I'm intrigued. And so the font that I use in Terminal, or in iTerm technically, is uh, a font that I recommend everyone use, if especially if they're a cheapskate and they don't want to buy mono. Uh, SF Mono. This is a font that comes from Apple directly. It's Apple's, um, mo- it's their monospace font that they use for everything. I don't know if you can access that without installing it manually. But if you go to the page that I just added to show notes, which is developer.apple.com slash fonts, um, the second one on the left as it stands today is a link to SF Mono. You can download that and install it. I love that font. And I use that as an editor font quite a bit before I found Mona Lisa. Uh, but Mona I, Lisa. I use it. Carmine said one boy. Here there, there are, are two. two. And I use that as my default font. <laughs> I also, I want to encourage people to not be afraid to use bigger font sizes than they're used to. When I was a young man, I would use up. If you're John Syracuse or John Gruber, if you're one of the Johns and you take pride in still sticking to effing 10 point Monaco. Can I blow you your mind? You understand, you're basically, you understand that's basically like wearing a toupee. Can you're I blow your mind anybody. with something, Merlin? 15 yeah. point. Oh, and I'm, I'm 18 to 22 and almost I, everything. See, I respect it. Not, not no the entire interface. No, but no. Like in, but in drafts, in, I, where did, I feel like I learned this from Michael Lopp a long time ago. But like, I used to be one of those, like, I guess I got to go from 10 to 12. I guess I got to go from 12 to 15. Because 15 was the go-to of a lot of people I knew on screens, even back when screens were not as dense and large. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I know we like to kid about this, and I get that. But like, you know, I, I, I am older and when I wear my glasses that are mostly for seeing far away, it doesn't really help me that much at the computer. And why should I compete with myself? Well, for that matter, when I compete with myself, who am I competing with? Like some version of me from when I was 20? Like honestly, uh, 18 to 22, depending on the Mac I'm on, is a lot of my NVL and NVUltra uh, VS code. And if it feels too big, I'll reduce it. But, like, I, I think another thing is, though, like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm taking you off this, but it's also worth thinking about, there's usually configurations for column width. Mm-hmm. It's not, what, it used to be 68? It was not the classic on old. There, there, was a, there was a column width limit that worked, if memory serves, across everything from, like, you know, IBM 360s up through the Mac today. And that's why most people, you know, there's a lot of, not technical debt, but technical nostalgia, that, the stuff that sticks around. Change your column width. I mean, all this stuff should work together. This is, these are principles of typography that also extend into the technical world. 
I'll try and find a, uh, a book for notes, but there's a wonderful book on typography I really recommend to people. Um, and you learn stuff like, the, you know, the way a page is laid out. Uh, there's a term that I've heard used in typography, like the color of the page. Well, there's a color of the page, believe it or not, to your terminal stuff, too. Um, and in some place like iTerm, you can make that be what you want. I, when I use Caliber, and by the way, Caliber 6 is out. Yay. When I use Caliber to massage my ebooks, the first thing I do to every single ebook <laughs> is to turn off. That's funny how, Dan? It's funny like a clown. I mean, it's just. You, well, what did it, I say? You I, you I, me. I, I mean, it's. I mas- what, I, what, was, what was the verb I used? That's I, a massage? No, what I say? It's just massaging. I don't know. It's just created a good image in you my mind. You sound so much like Henry Hill right now. It's just funny. Hank Hill? Hank. Oh. Yes, you have a narrow urethra and you live in Texas. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, Henry Hill, like... I, um, he, yeah, he always knew he wanted to be a gangster. I mean, he the, always The knew. Lutanza heist. Out of respect. <laughs> why they carry... Do you know? Do you know why they... Let's talk about something important. Uh, but, like, give me back a little. I don't sound completely crazy, Dan, do I? Like, yes, the font matters. The size matters. But the thing is, it's a little bit... Uh, a class I never had is calculus, but it strikes me that there are different variables at play here, and just changing one of them doesn't mean you're done, let alone at the, its most effective. Like, uh, the reason I, I, I feel the need to asterisk this with, uh, first of all, I agree with Dan. You, do, you don't need the same font everywhere, and it's okay if you've paid money for, for it and stuff like that, but, but like, what I, what I need in different situations varies because there are some places where, by the nature of what I'm doing, for example, something that's going to involve using Markdown links that are going to have long URLs. Like, do I want that to break? Do I want to be able to see that whole whole line? If I'm not feeling like running some kind of a script, is there a way for me to eyeball what the longest, without having to run a set or an OC or whatever, or any kind of just an, a GUI word count, can I tell which one of these lines has the longest column in it? column width because mm-hmm. that becomes important why does that become important well you don't care but you, i'm going to pretend that you asked i make a lot of tables in markdown for which i use the wonderful app table flip most of the time makes markdown tables but it make, can make a very unreadable page as well well guess what that means when i look at that then i go oh you know what maybe i should use like uh the different kind of markdown link a reference link because that way my tables will be less visually janky all of these things affect one another Including things like, you know, the, uh, I mean, and we haven't gotten into stuff like, what do you make your uh, prompt look like? You know, what color are the different things? Because you can do stuff like when you're running scripts, you'll, different colors are meaningful in a terminal in a way that they weren't in 1976. And in your case, code syntax, syntax highlighting is different from place to place. All these things are factors you don't need to worry about. In, in particular, you don't need to worry about them right now. You don't really need to worry about them at all, but it's worth keeping it in mind. If you're going to spend all day, like there's all kinds of different chairs you could sit in that are comfortable for different things and different reasons. The dentist picks the chair, title, the dentist picks the chair when it becomes time to do stuff to your teeth because the dentist needs trump yours for that chair. They want you to be comfortable. They want it to be accommodating. But you will find, if you start opening your heart and your mind to it, you will find that there are situations where a tweak in the preferences, be it font or otherwise, can have a massive difference in how you work. 
with, with Visual Studio Code, you could spend five days on preferences. You know, there's, there's, or for that matter, gosh, with your Bash profile, if you've ever opened something like Onyx or Cocktail, you'll see an area where all the man files exist for all of your installed binaries. Yeah. Like, there's a lot to learn about, a lot, learning a lot of things about a lot of things. You don't need to learn it all, as I'm fond of saying. What I'm saying is, life hack zero is to be aware. To be aware of where there's an opportunity for improvement. And just with, like, here's, so, for example, when you open Fontbook, I know I've done this, but is there, by default, when you open it up, is there an area, isn't there an area called monospaced or similar in Fontbook? Um, In other words, isn't there already a smart library or smart group? For monospaced fonts, I think that there is. I'm looking on the left, and well, what if I you see open that up, you'll fun, find out. Modern, but you could PDF, open it traditional, and web. And I also see smart collections, English, and fixed width. Yeah, fixed width. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, use, using Spotlight or Command Shift A um, to go to applications it might be Command Shift U. Anyway, you're going to f- look for an app called Fontbook that you've probably used. It's how you get fonts. <laughs> Sorry, we don't have Font EA Mover anymore. I still miss it, but. Um, you can go see what fonts you have installed, and you can look at the repertoire or sample text. I, I do this all the time. When I want to do a parody, this is behind the scenes. When I want to do a parody, a frequent kind of parody I will do is, for example, a Bell and Sebastian album or a Smith's album. Sometimes I want to do a parody of something. Think about the way the font was in the credits of Logan, a kind of fonts, font family that I would call Rockford Files. Mm-hmm. Or, like, there's a certain look to 70s thrillers, Quinn Martin Productions. You know what I mean? I used to have collections where I just, every time I found a font that reminded me of, like, a 70s thriller, and the one used in Logan is really effective, I would put those together. Well, I can open up Fontbook and have a collection of all of those fonts and try on whatever the name of that Smith's album is or whatever the name of that fake action movie is. And uh, there's lots of ways to preview all of those. Um, and I mentioned that I know well over 50% of you may be rolling your eyes, which is a shame because the 49% that aren't rolling their eyes are going to try this, I hope, and see stuff that that 50% doesn't realize is still extremely useful. To create, you know, I, I have test documents, and this is a pretty common thing, I think, you can find, I have test documents, let's take it a step further. I have text documents that are for determining what this would look like as a markdown document, right? So it's got all of the, 80% of the stuff you would use in markdown in a document. I got H1 to H6. Of course, I've got emphasis and um, strong, you know what I mean? I've got URLs. I've got all of those things, Um and it's neat to be able to test all of that. In that case, whatever font I'm, I'm thinking about, what it's going to look like, mainly as a syntax highlighting scheme, which is separate from what font you use. Um, I don't mean to be making this more complicated than it is, but I would say it's always a good opportunity to come back to what is life hack zero. Life hack zero is be aware. You can't even decide what life hack is good for you in, unless you're really keyed into the kind of stuff that is an opportunity for improvement. If you try every life hack, you're screwed. This is why I stopped doing my old job because I didn't want to vend life hacks for no particular reason to no one in particular and just have everybody try them on. But, you know, to be aware of when it is time for an improvement opportunity, open up Fontbook, man. Try out all those fonts. See what it looks like, you know? Because, I mean, even sometimes in the best apps, you've probably had this, you go in somewhere and then it says, okay, change editor preferences and you get something that's sometimes the equivalent of Command-T 
But you know what I mean? You, you get to look at them all and you click it. But then to make it like happen, you got to go and click it again over mm. in the type window. You've had this, right? Yes. You've got to like remind it that this is the thing I'm working on right now. Um, uh, but, but so, you know, uh, advice number one, be aware. Advice number two, and, and, you know, be aware and be open to these possibilities, but also, you know, then of course, I guess advice 1 million is don't do that all day, but, uh, there are ways to do this that are sane. And, uh, there's a lot of good fonts out there. And I can't believe Inconsolata is is free. You know what else is great? I've told you about this one before, not for coding, but it's such, go look up, um, I'll put this in notes, Atkinson Hyperlegible. Are you aware of this one? No, I don't this know. This was one. designed by, I want to say, the, um, uh, by, shoot, who's the big gun in Braille? Bra- the Braille Institute, brailleinstitute.org. And I know some of the people who've worked on this project. This is an amazing project. It's a typeface called Atkinson Hyperlegible. And it's designed, you can, like, for example, have you ever seen on your Kindle, you might have seen that there for, there's a font that is designed for people with dyslexia. It oh, heavily, yeah, yeah. heavily, it's kind of odd looking if you're not used to it, but it heavily disambiguates the stuff that's confusing in English glyphs to people with sight, uh, with dyslexia in that case. Atkinson Hyperlegible is so great for several reasons. Above all, like, it is apparently designed for people who have vision issues. Which makes it real, but it's it's that, hence the hyper legible. Mm. But you know what's cool cool about it? It looks great, right? It, it this is not going to be an un, unsightly corrective boot for your website. Atkinson hyper legible is a, a, a free a, at least as in beer uh, typeface that will be very easy. But it's and it is it's. But it, are you looking at it? Doesn't it look good? It looks really good. It doesn't, you don't, what I'm trying to say, and I don't mean to sound ableist, what what you don't clock is that this was designed for legibility because it doesn't feel like it was designed for legibility, which is the biggest compliment you could pay in this case. Yeah. It just looks good. It's very unambiguous at different sizes, you know? Ditto with all like the, um, you know, like interstate and all those, there are typefaces that have evolved over the years to be seen on highway signs and they continue to evolve that. Because, you know, the idea of being able to glance at a sign in the rain when you're old and have bad eyesight, like, from far away, that's a tall order. And a font that you think would look really good in your terminal is not going to be the font that's going to look good on a green sign in the Mm. rain. Mm -hmm. (sighs) We've given people so much to think about, Dan. That's what we do here. There's something else I said I was going to add to notes, and now I've forgotten it. I'll see. Oh, I'll do the thing. It's Friday. I got nothing to do. Yeah, I mean, what else are you doing on a Friday? You don't even need a reason. Well, I guess that's probably enough, you yeah. know, for today, right? I think, I think so. We give them what they're paid for anyway. <sighs> okay, let's button it up. I love you. I love you too, Merlin, man.